Thank you. Let's remain standing just a moment while we pray. How many would like to be remembered tonight in prayer? Would you just let it be known as you lift your hands? Let us bow our heads now as we face Him. Our Heavenly Father, we are asking permission as we come in the name of the Lord Jesus to approach thy throne of mercy. We would by no means want to stand at the throne of judgment, but at the throne of mercy. For it's in this mercy, by his grace, that we come, thanking thee first for to be alive and here tonight. Or how Satan would desire to take us quickly from the scene, right in the midst of the battle. But the angels are encamped about those who fear him. And we're so thankful for this, and I'm so glad for a fresh experience of knowing the reality of his promise. I thank thee tonight for this gathering of Christian fellow citizens of the kingdom of God and this great commonwealth here on earth that we have together in this manner of fellowshipping around the word setting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We thank thee for this full gospel businessman's great wide reach and influence with the gospel among the business people and of all walks of life. And for these precious anointed servants that you're on the platform tonight and on the grounds, that behind them is a mark of Christianity through years of pressing on and pressing the battle way up here to the front line. God, we would pray tonight that the angels of God would take their position now in the midst of us. Save those who are not saved. Fill those with the Holy Spirit and put on the full armor of God to those who are not shod and buckled and and covered, and we pray that you'll heal the sick and the afflicted. May there rise such a glorious shout over this campground, Lord, that he who walked on the Sea of Galilee may walk in on the lake tonight and sit with us and deal with us, Lord, each one as we have need. Speak to us through thy word, Lord, for truly that's our hope and stand is on thy word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Billy, my son, came a bit early for me tonight, and he said to me, I would sure like to take you down to the grounds. He said, you've seen many conventions, and we've been a bigger part of the world together, but said, this is one of the most peaceful, restful spots that you ever saw, Daddy. And I said, fine. He said, but I'm going to wait till it gets just a little later. And I said, what's the matter? He said, some brother and I was standing out there on the campus, out on the ground, and said, Two big, fat gray squirrels were sitting in the woods and said, you'd be chasing them to midnight together. <laughs> I said, oh, Paul. 
It's a privilege to be here tonight. I have so many things to be thankful for. So glad to be alive and to be in the service of the Lord. I certainly am grateful for this wonderful comment that Brother Brown, our precious brother, just paid me a few moments ago. I, I certainly feel little to stand up behind the... I ain't going to call him what I did here on the platform a few moments ago, but it certainly was a great title, but he might not like that. <laughs> so he said that you couldn't tell the Pentecostals from the Presbyterians. No, not when Presbyterians become Pentecostal, that's right. <laughs> that makes them all the same. And it's certainly I've marveled over the great message that I heard from Brother Brown that night coming through the Lord's channel, his servant, and how he blessed my soul. And to know that God is raising up these kind of men. And I understand that my precious friend, Brother Duplessly from South Africa, is here and uh, already spoken to you, and I'm sure it, it was filled with rich vitamins from God's great kingdom. He brings such a stirring message also. Now, you know what? Just before coming in, I took a little walk about hundred yards out and around, and you know this makes me think about having a convention myself yeah. next year and bring it up here and see if we could rent these grounds and everybody just stay around and have about a week up here just praying for the sick and bringing the sick and afflicted. That would be very fine. We'll pray over that and see what the Lord has to say about that. I like to do just as He tells me, you know. And then I feel good about it. I'm sure it would be all right if I, in the, among the brethren here, kind of announced the, some of my following meetings. I guess that would be all right. I, know it, I don't suppose it hurt anything. And Tomorrow we're to be here tomorrow night at the banquet, the Lord willing. And then Sunday afternoon we're at the—I can't call the name of that—Mather or Mather or uh, Matt. Mather High School Auditorium in Chicago, where I was at the last convention, we had such a glorious time. And then Monday night, at the, I believe it's the Mather also, for a kind of a missionary rally or a little farewell party for my precious brother, Joseph Bose, who we've been associated together so long. So good to see Brother Bose and Brother Carlson and Austin. Brother Son, more so many here tonight. I look around and see their faces. And I'm so happy for this. Then going home to go on to the convention at the Southern Pine, South Carolina, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th of June, uh, with uh, the Midnight Cry paper. And then on down to another Presbyterian, Brother. Uh, big, big. He was the one who wrote that article, uh, a Presbyterian doctor meets Pentecostal prophet, or some such a remark. And uh, I'm to be with him down at Columbia, South Carolina, and then on over to the South Gate, the Cow Palace, where we've had a lot of conventions there with the businessman, 
then from there, I think, up to, I believe it's Santa Monica or somewhere up there, on up in California, Grass Valley, on up then to, I believe it's uh, Spokane, from there back to down into Oregon, uh, Salem, Oregon, and then on over into British Columbia and up to Anchorage, Alaska to organize a chapter for the businessman there as soon as the revival's over. And then try to get back home in time to get the winter in for overseas. I have kind of listened and watched my Pentecostal brethren as they have predicted uh, a sweeping revival coming, and we all know that the revival that we just went through has ceased. But there must be coming something else that's glorious and great. And so I've been studying hard to find these uh, places in the Scripture. I think that if our, our revelation must be scriptural, and then we know it's right if it's a Scripture, it's from the Lord. And I'm beginning to believe that that's right, that there's coming a ripening time for the evening fruits. I preached the other day on the, the bride tree on Easter morning, how that Christ was that tree that was perfect. David saw it and said it's standing by the rivers of water. And then how Rome cut that tree down and perfect tree bearing perfect fruits of God and hung it on to a man-made tree. But God raised it up on the third day. And then there come a bride tree coming forth, bringing forth its fruits, and in comes the enemy again and cut it down to the dark ages. But I will restore, saith the Lord. How that the Lutherans raised up and denominated and the vine was pruned, up come the Methodist denominated, the vine was pruned, up come the Pentecostal denomination, vine was pruned. But the fruit ripens in the top of the tree when the evening lights come out. We're near the road. So we're expecting great things in the future. I just had an accident, as you know, and almost blowed both eyes out. And I'm so thankful to, to be here tonight that I can see. Now, you that keep Scripture on or text, I wouldn't know where to call something. I'm speaking on text or not. But I've got a few remarks and scriptures written down here that I felt that maybe the Lord had me speak a little bit on for a few moments, and usually I'm never over... Well, the other day I was, I think, Brother Solomon, about six hours or something like that. It, it takes me a long time. You know, I, I don't know very much, so I, I just have to wait. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I have to kind of take my time. I'm not like... Some of these brethren who are really theologians and just let it roll out, I just have to kind of wait for it to come out and kind of slow with it, you know. It takes me kind of a long time, then long time to get started, and then a long time to stop. But it's, um, I feel ru get running, you know, it's just like getting the car once all through them gears, so you get in high gear. Then it runs pretty good, you just like to let it run like that a while. So let's. For our scripture reading, let's read in God's Word tonight, uh, out of Proverbs, the 18th chapter, and the 10th verse, and out of Isaiah 32, 2, to begin with. Now, in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, 
and the tenth verse reads like this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And in the book of Isaiah 32, 1 and 2, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, a prince shall rule in judgment, and a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. I may God add his blessings to the reading of this precious word. You pray for me. As I was listening to a little colored brother a few days ago in Louisville, a little Pentecostal preacher, and he was preaching, chanting. And he would lose his spirit for a few minutes, and he'd stop and say, Y'all praying for me? <laughs> and he'd preach a few more words and say, Somebody pray for me. <laughs> and you don't know what that means unless you get up here one time. Coming to the platform should never be just coming to be seen or coming to be heard. You must come and coming from the freshness of your room in prayer, entering into a congregation under the anointing to do just as the Holy Spirit will say, do. Say just as he said. He, I don't know what he'll do. I've started to preach like this and see the Holy Spirit move across the altar and call men and women living in adultery and everything and bring them to the altar and have confessions and see him tear loose and heal the people and you don't know what he's going to do. And I've seen him bring forth messages that cut the Christians and sometimes bless the Christians and you don't know. You just go there. That's all. And if you go with anything kind of cut and dried under your own idea, you may get greatly fooled. <laughs> One time there's a little a minister named Jack Moore. Many of you know him. He's a member of this fellowship. And he had a little boy named David. I've often thought of it. It's about in them days David was about six years old, and he'd heard his daddy preaching and all the preachers, so he thought the Lord called him to preach. So he said, kept saying, Pappy, I want to preach. And his daddy said, All right, David, one of these times. And he kept saying, Now, Pappy, you promised me I could preach. So his mammy dressed him up real pretty and put him on a little bow tie and long trousers, little white shirt. He looked like a clergyman, come up and sat down in the chair that night getting ready to preach. So Brother Jack said, you know, folks, he said, David has been wanting to preach a long time, so we just go to turn him loose. Now I said, come on, David, jump down here and preach. Said he come out of that chair like a good set the world afire. Jump down at the end of the platform and kind of look to the right and to the left. They looked so depleted, said it just won't work. <laughs> I've seen a lot of times I didn't think it worked. <laughs> so we preachers and God stand staggered through it anyhow. So as the little brother said, pray for me. <laughs> Thinking on the subject after reading this glorious text, now I'm getting to the more part of the service. I want to take a text tonight that comes to my mind that I've tried to handle before on the subject of letting off the pressure. <laughs> I thought that would be very appropriate. 
There's so much pressure everywhere. Everybody seems to be under a pressure. What does it? What's the matter? Everything, it's a day of pressure. People are driving through the streets at 90 miles an hour, getting tickets from the policemen and run down the road, almost take the chance on losing their life to, to whirl around, get five foot in front of someone else to get to a bar room to drink an hour before they go home. Pressure. That's right. Even Christians, it's bothering them. See, some of them are all pressured up and snappy off and left temper all built up like they're going to blow up. What's the matter? Something wrong. That shouldn't be. Temper comes from Satan. Everybody's under a pressure all. Of course, I don't believe it's this group here, but... But it's, uh, you know, these meetings are being taped, so it'll go other places, you see. So I'll be speaking to that group's under pressure. But um, I thought, uh, you know, that kind of bothers all groups. Pressure. If Satan can once get you under pressure, he's not got you whipped. Right. So much pressure. People are doing things wrong and trying to hide from it. Well, the only thing that does is build up more pressure. It just builds up more pressure. I know what pressure means. I like lost my life the other day because of pressure. I'm glad the Lord gave me a recreation of going out fishing, hunting. Everybody knows my mother that just passed away a few months ago. Blessed saint of God, I think. Easter, Mother's Day the other day, I didn't wear a robe. Some of them said, what's the matter? Billy said, didn't your mother just die? I said, why ain't you got on a white rose? I said, I can't wear a white rose. My mother's not dead. She's alive. Yeah. Yeah. I said, if I wore two, then I'd put a stumbling block your way. If I wore a white one, I'd be a hypocrite to myself, because I believe she's alive. She's not dead. Jesus said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I believe that. That's his word. And so I was going, my recreation is to fish and to hunt, and I'm glad of that. When I get home and calls people sitting in there from everywhere, waiting for months, and they're under pressure too. And, trying to find out what the Lord would have them to do and what in their lives. And we stay there until God speaks down from heaven and reveals it to them. And that builds pressure, too, with the people. Then when I get tense, I go down, I belong to some clubs to go down and shoot targets. And I've always wanted a Weatherby Magnum rifle, but... Or some of my friends would have bought it for me. They're very expensive. But I, I couldn't let them do it. I couldn't see myself letting my friend of mine pay that much for a rifle when I no missionaries is preaching without shoes on their feet. So I, I, I couldn't do that. Brother Art Wilson gave my son a little rifle here some time ago, and he didn't know he was left-handed and his right-hand bolt on it. Another friend of mine that runs a Weatherby outlet 
place. He said, let me take that and send it to Weatherby and have it reborn for you, and I'll make you a Weatherby Magnanado. He said, if you do it, it'll cost you $30. So I can do it for about $12, and let me, let me do it. Well, finally, I, I agreed. He was just a Methodist brother, just received the Holy Ghost, and, and I, I told him, go ahead. He wanted to do it so bad. I took it down on the range and placed the shell in it and raised up the chute, and I seen fire just about five feet over my head. <laughs> That's about all I knew for a second or two. I thought I was dead. And one glorious thing, I had the most peaceful feeling. That I, 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 I believe if I had to die, I don't think I'd be afraid of it. And so I, I couldn't see, hear, or nothing. And it blowed the gun so completely apart till the barrel went on the 50-yard line this way and the stock and things went 50 yards behind me. The pieces of the gun tore the bark off the tree and melted in my hand what was left. And I could hear something squirting, like, so I like get myself together and I was trying to hold my eyes open to see what had taken place and a piece of shot me right into the forehead. One went around my eye this way and down that way and one was cheekbone, one stuck way into the skull. This one hit on this side of the eye and this one went into the bone, this one went through and knocked that tooth off there. And so I was having quite a time to see. The man was with me. He's walking out to see where the target was hit. I couldn't hear him and couldn't speak to him. And I told him this eye open with my hand, trying to motion to him. Finally, he come up there, and Brother Wood, and he was so excited, he couldn't even get the car started. So we finally, they, I went and got it washed out, and some pieces they picked out of my skull, and I looked at them big pieces, drove inch and a half or two inches in a tree. Now, the Winchester Company proves that their gun will stand 6,900 pounds of pressure. And this, that had been about four tons, so you see, there must have been six or eight tons blown within one inch of my eye. That, if that would burst the gun, it could just simply just been that much of me left down there. So, what was the matter? The way they had bored the gun out left too much head space on it. Instead of the gun blowing forward, it blowed backwards. So it, it went into my face and blowed that bolt, which weighs about a pound and a half. Oh my, come down to a deer cage sitting way behind me at the conservation club. And as I think of it, I thought, God, I'm so glad to be here. Realize that Satan was trying to kill me there. But he can't do it until God is ready for me to come home. Then I'm ready to go at that time. It's the more sick to be prayed for or something to be done. Then, thinking of that pressure, I thought, you know, that reminds me of something. It might be good just to kind of say it for a few moments. It goes to show if that gun had started out a Weatherby Magnum to begin with, it would have been made to stand that pressure. But it wasn't a Weatherby Magnum. It was a Winchester converted into a Weatherby Magnum, so it couldn't stand the pressure. Now, I thought that's a very striking thing. I'll get a text on that someday. If we start out just pretending we are Christians, without going back to the very basis to be born again, you'll blow up somewhere down along the road. The pressure's too heavy. You can't stand it unless you're built for it, and you can't be built for it until God gets a hold of you and not just polish you up, but start you from the beginning and bring you to a real magnet, a real child of God that's built to stand the Word, built to stand the pressure, 
the pressure of the day. So many blow up. Man trying to impersonate others, and so they blow up sooner or later. God has brought us into this earth and set us into the church and different things, and we have to be what we are. God, by His foreknowledge, placed into the church. And I'm so glad of that. Pressure builds up, and sooner or later it'll, it'll show up on you. A few nights ago our pastor was, uh, just wasn't sick, he just wore out, he's going so hard. Besides all my calls, they called his into me, and I went out to the hospital. They told me a certain lady there was, was going to have a colostomy the next morning, and she was perhaps down on the table, and she was a sinner. The pastor couldn't get to her, so they, I took his call, and I went to the, they said she's in room 321. And I went upstairs, and I wanted to be nice, because it's just before visiting hours, and I wanted to talk to her alone. And I said, lady, the nurse, could you tell me a lady by a certain name? She said, I don't know, <laughs> all under pressure. So I said, they said she was in 321. I said, then why don't you go to 321 and walk up? I said, thank you, man. I goes down 321, I said, is a lady named Miss Knuckles here? No one by that name. Oh, I hate to go back to that lady again. So I crossed the hall and I said, is Miss Knuckles here? No, nobody named Miss Knuckles. So I went back, there's another nurse up there in the hall, and I said to her, I was told to go to 321 and the lady Miss Knuckles here said, it might have been 221, go downstairs. I said, yes ma'am, thank you. I went downstairs, and there's a little doctor sitting down there, and no remark, uh, I don't mean it bad, but his hot as wide as he was high. And uh, sitting there with those flat top haircuts about my age, and switching his stereoscope strand on his finger, I said, how do you do? And he just looked sideways, I, uh, I don't want to talk to him, too much pressure here. So I went down to the nurse, and I said, lady, I'm... I was a bit confused. I said, I went upstairs to find a lady, Mrs. Knuckles, that was supposed to be in 321 going under an operation in the morning for cancer to have a colostomy. I said, could you tell me she's on that floor? And the nurse up there said she might be 322, uh, uh, 331 down here. She said, well, then go up. I said, thank you. I went back there. No, I know nothing about it. So then I come back out. And as I come by, a lady in the hall said, go over and ask this nurse over here. So I went over to her and she said, uh, I said, how do you do? She said, how do you do? Real nice, calm. And I said, uh, could you tell me if there is a lady on this floor? I said, I'm so confused. Uh, I said, I've been upstairs and downstairs. And I said, a lady named Miss Knuckles. She said, just a moment, sir. She tucked her a uh, little mask off she had over her face. She'd been to the operation. Went over there and picked up the book. She looked to it. She said, oh, yes. She said, she's in 221. And I said, thank you very much, lady. She said, you're welcome. And I thought, well, praise God. That's, she's got, she's, even in a hurry yet, she's, she at least has got courtesy. So I walked out the door and I walked back and there was three and the wings all cut up and I, I didn't know which way to go. Now, look, I couldn't see no sign. Here come this little doctor packing his satchel, holding his stereoscope. I said, sir, could you tell me where um, 
2.21 is. He said, this way and that way. I said, thank you for your information. <laughs> that all, everybody's under pressure. Right. No time. No, uh, everybody seems to be going somewhere. Hurry up and wait. The whole world seems to be plagued with it. And the doctors don't have the remedy. Right. But I'm so glad tonight that in the midst of all of it, I know somebody's got the remedy. That's God. He has the remedy. How to get from under this pressure. I was talking to a doctor about it. Of course, it's been a year ago or more. He said, Brother Branham, he said, you know, the insane institutions are overloaded. He said the psychiatrists are, are breaking up and they got psychiatrists doctoring the psychiatrists. <laughs> I said, oh my, he said, I, I wonder what the remedy is. I said, I got it. He said, well, I said, Jesus is the answer. Amen. He is the answer to all of it. And he said, I, I believe you're right. This neurotical age, nobody has a minute. Why? used to be that we could go over and visit the neighbor. Some of you sisters, why you don't have time to pray? I was thinking of, of John Wesley. Uh, Sister Suzanne Wesley had 17 children. And she didn't have an automatic washer and dryer. And she didn't turn on the faucet and get hot water. She packed it from a spring in an old cedar bucket. But yet she could find two to three hours every day to get those little fellows around and teach them the Bible. And from there come a Charles and a John who changed the course of the world. Now, see, we're, we're so mad just going somewhere and going nowhere, just headlong going. Now, in the Old Testament, when a man had did something wrong, and maybe he slew a man or, or did something wrong, then that, it, that man that he slayed, his friends would hunt this man until he found him and slay him too, because the Old Testament was tooth for tooth and eye for an eye. But Joshua built some places called the House of Refuge. And these places, there's one of them at Ramoth Gilead, I think there's four places from Dan to Bathsheba. And they were places of refuge, where if a man did wrong and didn't want to do it, he could come to the city gates of one of these refuges and plead his case and tell them that he didn't mean to do this evil, and then he could come in this city and be safe from his enemy. Well, if he told a lie and the pursuers found him, they could pull him right off the altar. If he lied, but if he was truthful and he did not want to do wrong, well, they could, he could be safe as long as he was in this city. Now, that is a safety place, a place of refuge where the slayer or the pursuer to slay him, he was safe from him. He was protected. But the man first must be a, a man that accidentally did it. 
if he deliberately premeditated did it, then there was no hope for that man. He didn't even have a, a chance. But if he didn't aim to do it, now I'd like to stop here just a minute. There's people today, and maybe some of them here, that you do wrong, but you don't mean to do it. I'm that man that would be using the name of the Lord in vain. Not let women standing with cigarettes in their hands, just smoking away, and man cursing, and walk up in their presence like that, and they recognize you to be a Christian. You'll say, excuse me, sir, I, I didn't mean to say that. I've seen the women burn their hands almost in shame, holding that cigarette behind them. A man drinking, or make a escape, get around somewhere. See, they, that's the type that there's a hope for. But there's some of those that would walk right up and curse just in the presence of a Christian to act smart. That man's beyond hope. When you preach against wrongdoing, holiness, preach that women shouldn't wear immoral clothes, these little clothes shorts they wear, they wear them just to be mean. And when they do that, there's no place of refuge for them. If it was there, they wouldn't even seek for it. So sooner or later, you're going to be caught up with. But to those who want a place of escape, you can't feel comfortable when you're doing wrong. There's no way of feeling comfortable. When a man breaks God's laws, he knows he's guilty. And you know that the hounds of hell is right behind you. And sooner or later, your sins are going to find you out. Some of you businessmen, if you should go out here and willfully cheat somebody, you know you've done wrong. And sooner or later, that's going to catch up with you. That's right. They believe that, oh, well, it won't hurt, but when you start to lay down at night, there's something down in you tells you when you're praying, it stands right before you. You know you're wrong. Now, all of us have things that we can't meet. Sometimes we have debts that we can't meet. Sometimes we got promises we can't meet. And I have plenty of them. But there's one thing I feel good about. At night time, when I've done all I can do, when I've visited every sick person I could, and yet a lot of them think he's a hypocrite, he never comes to me, my baby's just as much as that, and I know they feel that way. They're bound to feel that way. But when I've used my last inch of energy, when I've done the best that I can do, and I kneel down before Father at night and say, God, there's a hundred people here in the city tonight that's calling for me to come to him, but I just can't go any farther. You know my strength. Then I feel if he should call me and I lay my head on that pillow to die on that pillow that night, I am in a refuge. I've done my very best for my Lord. And if we can do that, then God makes a way for us. Now, this man coming to this place of refuge... Now, when he comes in there first, he must want to come in. 
he must desire to escape the wrath that's pressing to him. He's got to want to do it. Now, I don't mean this critically. And God knows that it's a million miles from it. But I've been to meetings where preachers would be preaching. And if they, some of you, go back down to the aisles, find your friends, bring them up here. Now, I am always was a little reluctant on that. I believe if the, the Word don't convict, if it does, the Holy Spirit will lead. It's too much emotional. A man coming to Christ must come sanely, reverently, upon the basis of the Holy Spirit convicting him and showing him that someone died to save him. Coming sanely upon the basis of the Word, believing, accepting Christ the substitute for his life. Now, I believe that a man coming to Christ, and Christ is our refuge. Now, that's the New Testament refuge, is Christ. Now, a man coming to this refuge must want to come. And he must remember another thing. He's got to stay there. Oh, my. He can't just run into the pursuers, get by, and then go out again. He's got to be satisfied. And I believe if a man with his right mind could see that the death was galloping behind him and the devil's hell he's going to and could find a place of refuge and then want to go out again, there's something wrong with that man. As long as he's in the refuge, he's safe. And if he ever goes out again, he's subject to his slayers. And in Christ we have a refuge and are secure that we have safety from the wrath of God and the wrath of hell that's coming upon us. Now, this place of refuge, this man must want to stay. The same is it today. We must want to stay. Let me say this. I've been behind the pulpit now soon be 32 years. I started preaching when I was just a little boy. And I say this from the depths of my heart. I have never seen one time that I ever wanted to leave this glorious place. I'm safe in God's provision, happy in His loving grace. As the writer says, that I'm living on the hallelujah side. I'm so happy to be here. Not for all earth's golden millions would I leave this blessed place. No, though the tempter to persuade me off his tried, but I'm safe in God's provision, happy in His loving grace. Oh, it's such a comfortable place to be. I know I'm safe from my enemy. As long. Now, when this man running, the enemy behind him, soon he'll catch him and slice him to pieces for the sin that he did. But when he's in there, he can let off the pressure. He's safe. The guard at the gate will catch him. His slayers before they get in because he's made it safe to the tower of refuge. Now, then when he's in there, how he can feel safe and let off the pressure. Ah, they were ready to get me, but I'm all safe now. What a place to find a refuge. 
a place of safety. Outside he had died. In there he's all right. So God made us a tower of refuge. Now the Bible said that the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Not they'll be hunted for anymore, but they are safe. Oh, I just love that. God's provided safety place. Amen. The enemy can't catch you. Oh, you are safe in Christ. I've often told, one time over in the Orient, I was riding in a jeep with a minister friend, and we were going up over a hill, and there was some uh, a sheep out there and some donkeys and everything pasturing. And there was a man watched him, and I said, what, uh, what would you call that fellow? He said, uh, Brother Branham, he is a shepherd. And I said, well, I thought a shepherd just herded sheep. Oh, he said, no. A shepherd herds sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, camels, whatever more. And I said, well, I didn't know that. He said, but here's something I want you to know, Brother Branham. He said, when the sun starts setting, the shepherd goes out amongst all the, the animals. And he hunts until he finds the last sheep. And he brings them into the corral. And he puts them in the corral at night. But the rest of them stay outside, though he herds all of them. Then the thought come to me, oh God, let me not be as a donkey. Let me be a sheep that when my flame is dimming and the sun of my life is setting, take me safely in the corral when my eyes are closing. I don't want to be left out there as just a so-called Christian. I want to be a, a real sheep. Uh, want they all eat the same pasture. Just like the Bible says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. People sit together. Crowds of people. Some of them are, some of them are not. They all fall on the same spirit. The, the spirit will bless the same crowd. It'll fall, the rain will fall upon the cucklebur, and it'll just straighten up and rejoice. The same rain that falls on the wheat makes it. But by their fruit they are known. Christians bear Christian lives. Notice, now, God's safety zone, God's place of safety. And when we are in here, in this refuge, we have a, a right to the healing power of God. If God will forgive his enemy and take him into the refuge, how much more will he take care of him after he's got him in there? See? There is healing power. So when the Christians get sick, there's no need to be all steamed up about it. Just remember, by his stripes we are healed. That's the promise. He promised it so he just can't take it back. It's a place of refuge for our sickness, for our weariness. Cast all your tears upon him, for he cares for you. It's a refuge. Trust in his word, his promises. Every promise that he made belongs to you as long as you're in his kingdom. As long as you come to him for a refuge, then you have a right to every promise that he made. Every Christian in here or anywhere else 
has a right to anything that Christ died for. And when you're in Christ, you possess the whole thing. It's all yours. That's exactly right. Look at the Shunammite woman. When she had the little baby had died. Oh, I imagine that little fella given to her by the Lord by, when the prophet spoke. And the little boy, about 12 years old, he's with his daddy one day in a harvest field. He perhaps had a sunstroke. He cried in my head. And as soon as the father got to the house, there were wailing and so forth. The little baby was dead. Little boy, she laid him on a, Elijah's bed. And she said, saddle a mule. I'm going up to the cave where the prophet is. And her husband said, it's neither new moon or Sabbath. He won't be there. She said, all will be well. So then when Gehazi saw her coming and Elijah stood in the door of his cave and looked out, he said, here comes that Shunammite. And she's riding fast. There must be something wrong. And he said, go ask her. He said, is all well with thee? Is all well with thy husband? Is all well with the baby? She said, all is well. Everything's all right. Wow. She could let off the pressure. She'd come to God's representative. She'd come to the living word. The word of the Lord came to the prophets. And when she was in the presence of this man, who had enough favor with God to tell her that she'd have the baby. He was, she was in the presence of the same man who had the word of God that was true. Hallelujah. I'm so glad tonight to be in the presence of the same God that saved me from a life of sin and promise. He'd raise me up at the last day. He'd heal my sickness. He'd take care of me when it was yours. Pressure's off. Forget about the pressure. She come up and fell down there and said, All is well. Sure. She got to the Word. She got in the presence of God. The pressure went off. All is well now. The pressure's off. For she had got to God's representative. God's representative on earth today is the Holy Spirit. And when you're in His presence, see Him bless you, how can you build up such a pressure to hate your neighbor? How can you build up a denominational difference in your heart? Say, if they wasn't Pentecostal, if he was oneness, if he was threeness, if he was belonged to assemblies, if he belonged to the church of God, I could fellowship with him. How can you do it in the presence of Almighty God? How can the Holy Spirit be falling upon a congregation and then make denominational difference? How can it do it? Let off the pressure. Trouble, we build up our pressure because we're so denominational minded. Whole America is rotten with it. Denomination, drawing fences, creeds. What do you care about them creeds and fences? Get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let off the pressure then. That's one good thing I like about these businessmen's fellowship meetings. You just seem to let your collar down. Let off the pressure. Not ashamed of it. I've stood with them in the finest of hotels and the greatest of pleasures and let the Holy Ghost come to Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, all shake hands and scream and shout and praise God. Why? They let off the pressure. Man, just don't care what anybody's got to say. They're in the presence of God. Letting off the pressure. What a wonderful place to do it. Plenty of room to run. Yeah, you just take off. That's all. Let off the pressure. It's good to do that. If you don't, you might blow up. <laughs> Burst the vowel somewhere. All right. Now, now we remember, trust in his word. 
Now, even if you say, can I trust him when I'm sick? Sure. Look at Mary, the Martha it was, when her brother was dead, and she sent for Jesus, and instead of coming, he went away. She sent again, and he went further. That's build up pressure. Now, I stood me, I asked him today, and he went further away, and I asked him again, and he goes farther yet. But after a while, after she buried him, and she heard that Jesus come, she went into his presence, fell down at his feet, not to Brady. If you approach a gift of God like that, you get nothing. Amen. You've got to come with reverence, respect. Amen. When you come just to say, I'll go give it a try, don't you do that, you're not going to get anything. Amen. You come with reverence, fully surrendered, like the man coming into the gate of refuge, you know, it's his... It's the only place he has to go. You must come believing. Oh, I'll go down to the altar and see if I can speak a tongue. I'll go down and see if I can shout. Oh, brother, you might as well stay in your seat. You're not going to get anything. No. But when you come knowing that's your only spot of refuge, when you sit in a meeting and you're pressing, how do you get a prayer card? I've seen people do that. Pressure build up. They miss it all together. I've seen them stand in the meeting in the prayer line, come up into the there and say, well, if I... See, you're, 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 you're fighting against yourself. Don't do that. Just come with boldness, with reverence. Come in the presence of God, knowing that God made a promise, and that settles it. Martha came up and said, Lord, if thou would have been here, not, why didn't you come? But if thou would have been here, my brother would not die. But even now, Lord, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. She let off the pressure. Though her eyes were streaked with tears, though her feeble body was worn, but she could say this, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, whatever you ask God, God's going to give it to you. I like that. Yes, sir. And she got what she come for. Why? She come up into his presence, not all steamed up. Why didn't you come when we called you? We left the church. We forsaken our denomination. We come out to walk with you. And we thought you'd be a deliverer. We seen you heal the sick. And your own friend, you let him die and he sent for you. That would have been a modern Pentecostal version <laughs> No, no, not Martha, no Sarah. She said, Lord, that's what he was, her Lord. If thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. And even now, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Oh, he said, thy brother shall rise. She said, she said, I know, Lord, he in the last days he'll rise. And he said, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You want to see how much pressure he could put back to her? But she wouldn't receive it. Yeah, Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God that has come into the world. The pressure was off. Wow! She'd found the refuge. She'd found the hiding place. Even in the midst of death, she'd found the refuge. Now, there is a refuge in time of death. you believe that? Let's look down in Egypt the night of the Passover. There was down in Egypt of these slaves. And there was a time come when God got sick and tired of the way people were treating his people. And so what did he do? He required uh, an atonement to protect his people. He always makes a way to protect his people if the people just receive it. And now let's just take a case down in Egypt. It's nighttime. And I notice. And here comes, the night comes. There never was a night like it since it had been down there. Oh, it was a horrible night. Everything was black and dark. The moon didn't shine. The stars didn't come out. Oh, what a horrible night. Everything was weary. And a little boy goes to the window and looks out. He said, Daddy, you know the little Egyptian boy 
that I played with down the street. Look, there's two big black wings hanging over his home. There's his mother in the street. She's screaming, my baby's dead, my firstborn. Then he grabs his daddy and says, Daddy, don't you care for me? Don't you know that I'm your firstborn? I can see that father just as calmly take his little boy by the hand and walk over to the door and say, Son, you see that blood on the lintel? You see that on the post of the door? See? Well, Daddy, what's that got to do with it? Son, that's God's promise. Just let off the pressure now. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. When I see that blood, that's God's promise. So those wings will come. The little boy goes to the window, look again. Said, Daddy, here he comes. His father was just visiting something else. The angel moves down toward the door, but when he saw the blood, he bypassed. See, why is it? Letting off the pressure. God promised it, and it's by God's promise, he always keeps his promise. That's right. Won't you take a little thing for us? Did you notice while we were on Israel, when they were down in Egypt, they were slaves. They had never, never, never seen the promised land. None of them have been up there. They know nothing about it, only what they'd heard. God promised that he was going to take them to a, a promised land where it was flowing with milk and honey. That was a great thing to a bunch of slaves that were beaten and their moldy bread thrown into them and, and whipped every day. That was a terrible thing. Now listen, Christian, watch this parable here. Now, then when they heard that there was a, a promised land, was flowing with milk and honey, where did they live in their own home? They wouldn't have to have fear. A place of refuge where they could raise their garden, have their children, and be safe. All at once down from the wilderness come a prophet with a pillar of fire following him, or he following the pillar of fire. And they started on their journey to the promised land. When they got up as far as Kadesh Barnea, what happened up there? Joshua, there was one with him, a great warrior named Joshua, which means Jehovah, Savior. He went over in the promised land and brought back the evidence. Now remember, they did not know whether that land existed or not. They only journeyed by faith to that promised land. They didn't know where it was at. The pillar of fire led them to it. This prophet walking, watching this pillar of fire, and they followed it until they got to the promised land, and Joshua crossed Jordan and went over into the promised land and brought back the evidence that the land was just exactly what God had promised them. And the people tasted of the grapes. A bunch of grapes had taken two men to pack. It was just exactly according to God's promise. They had it. The land was just across Jordan. Well, sure, they never saw it. There's never been nobody over there. But God made the promise, and God always keeps His promise. That was bringing man from slavery up to where he could have his own home. Along came another great warrior one day. His name was Jesus. He taught that there was a, in my father's house are many mansions. He taught that there was life after a man dies here, that he could live again. He taught that there was a resurrection of the dead. And one day he would come and would judge the whole world. And one day he went down to the Jordan of death, crossed over the Jordan, come back on the third day, bringing the evidence that there is a resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah! He stood and eat fish and bread. He was with them for 40 days, showing himself alive. said, handle me. I'm not a spirit. I'm man. Flesh and bones. 
What was it that Joshua, a far time, that crossed the river of death and returned back with the evidence? Not only that, but he said, Whosoever believeth in me shall never die. And they were commissioned to go up and wait, and he was going to send them the earnest of their salvation. Is you wonder what the earnest is? I buy your farm for $10,000. I give you $1,000 to hold it. It's a promise that you'll hold it for me. That's the earnest money. Well, he said, I'm going to prove it to you that you're going to have the earnest of your salvation. But wait up there at the city of Jerusalem until you're due with power from on high. One day, me, myself, down in sin, no place to go. What happened? Just as it did then, on the day of Pentecost, God sent back the Holy Spirit upon the waiting disciples. And when they did, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and raised up from a death. What is death? Sin. Sin's the wages of sin is death. What is death? Unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. So many people today call themselves Christians. They want to believe some creed in some church. You tell them the word of God, they laugh in your face. That's sin. Because they don't agree with their creed, they won't have nothing to do with it. You just as might as well do anything else. God's word stands true. Right. And when they when they come down from there, they know they had the evidence of the resurrection. Now today, that's the refuge that we have. Look what happens. When we are recognized he was our substitutionary death, when we realize it's not our righteousness but his, and when we accept him as a personal savior, then we go to the grave with him in baptism, and we die with him. If you don't, you shouldn't be buried. So when you're dead to the, and confess your sins and call yourself a sinner and ask for mercy, and are buried with Christ in baptism, we are also risen with Him in the resurrection. And now, being raised from sin. Hallelujah. Now I feel religious, brother. Being raised from the dead in the likeness of His resurrection, we are raised up from the life of sin and setting with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of eternal life. That we are already raised up from the dead. Our souls are alive tonight with Christ because sin is beneath us and we've raised in there, which is the earnest of our resurrection. Amen. How do you know you're passing death in life? Where are you standing at? Because we have raised from sin. Being buried within baptism, we've raised within in the resurrection, and now our souls are with Him and He's with us. We feel His presence. We see His works. We see Him doing the same things that He did when He was here on earth, working through the church. Healing the sick, knowing the thoughts that's in their heart, discernment, powers, raising the dead, doing just exactly the things He did. Then let off the steam, brother. There's nothing to worry about. We're already risen with Him in Christ Jesus. We're setting in heavenly places now. Not we will be, we are. Right now. Risen with him, sitting in heavenly places with the earnest of our salvation. That's right. Amen. Let off the steam. Set upon his bombs, whatever you want to. We are risen with him. Amen. What's the steam all about? What you fussing about? Running from denomination to denomination. Let off the steam. Come to Christ. 
get the Spirit of God within you, you look down and see where you did come from. You look down at the world, you wouldn't walk in it again. No. Why? You're risen with Him. You're a new creature, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let off the scene. Joshua went over and brought back the evidence to them. What did they do? Murmured. Disbelieve it. So has the religious world today. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Day. They're scared of it. They're afraid of the Holy Ghost. That's the very evidence of our resurrection that we've got eternal life. Look at another thing I might nail this down with. Elijah and Elisha was always a type of Christ in the church of the devil potion. Works that I do shall you also greater than this shall I go to my father. When I go to my father greater and more of it shall do. When Elisha called Elisha, when God spoke to him in the cave with a still small voice, he took his robe and went out and seen that young prophet going through the field with the ox. He knew how to plow a straight robe. So he took his robe and threw it over him. He must have took it back. He's baptized, you see, with the spirit that was on Elijah. He had one potion. He was called to be a prophet. Then when he went to Jordan with him, and he crossed over Jordan with one potion. When he come back, he had two potions. Glory to God. When the Holy Ghost comes up on us day, you get one potion. When we cross the Jordan of death and come back in the resurrection, we have both a spiritual body and a physical body raised with him. I hope I'm not deaf in you. Oh, but brother, do you see what I mean? We are already risen. We are up a, a Christians in here, hold up your hand. It's Christian. Do you look back to see where you first come from? That shows you where dead was. You wouldn't have come to a meeting like this. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have sat in a hot building like this. You wouldn't have spent your money across the country. You would have went to some honky-tonk or something. Why? You were dead. It was your nature. You were a sinner by birth. But Christ come back and said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll give you the earnest of it. I'll send the Holy Ghost upon you. Oh my. There you are. Which is the earnest. And today we find ourselves with the world under our feet. People think we're crazy. Don't you know the whole thing belongs to us? How can you buy peace with money? Buy love with money? That's what the nations are trying to do. Joy with money. Go out to the drugstore and give me a quarter's worth of joy. Yes, sir, I can use it. You can't do it. Why? It's a gift of God. It comes from God. And it's free to His children. It's in the refuge of Christ to those who have risen with Him in heavenly places. Right now we are seated with Him. In The name of the Lord is the mighty power. The righteous ones in it and are safe. What fellowship to be in it? Glory. I'm a Pentecostal Baptist. Yes. A Baptist with a Pentecostal experience. Why? I can, I've accepted that evidence. I have received my Lord. 
I see where once I looked in the Bible here and it said different things. I said, oh, well, the church says, well, that was for another day. Uh, go ye to all world, preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them. That's a mistranslation. And uh, all these other things, there's something wrong with it. And it causes it to be an unbeliever in it. But one day, hallelujah, I died out to that thing and become alive in him through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And tonight, I'm resurrected in him. Raised up above unbelief. I believe every word of it. I believe it so. I've seen him working, proving it just exactly the way he was here on earth the first time. So is he today as he promised he'd be in the evening time. We are now seated with him in heavenly places. Let off the steam. Some of you have been all torp about everything. See, you have been tore up. <laughs> After they'd followed his instructions? Yeah. So many called Christians today, running from denomination to denomination. They run out and take their papers down. Tired of being a Methodist, I'm going to become a Baptist. I take my papers over to the Baptist. Baptist over to the Presbyterian, Presbyterian over to this, that, and the other. The Pentecostal groups were running from one to another. What you do? What's the matter? It goes to show that builds up steam. You don't know where you're standing. Amen. Who is right, Brother Branham? Is this right or is this right or is this right? Christ is right. Amen. How do I receive it? He that heareth my words that believeth on him that sent me has eternal life. Amen. Now I'll raise him up at the last day. Amen. Because what? He believed God's word. Amen. That's it. Someone having to believe it, you have to shout to give it. The Methodists believe that. They found out there's a lot shouted, had a lot of steam behind. That's right. Build up tempers and talk to Lutherans. The Pentecostal says you got to speak with tongues to believe it. They spoke in tongues and fight one another. Oh, one this ain't going to do you, old Trinitarian ain't going to do you, old so and so and See, you still under steam. You've never got to the right place yet. But brother, when you got to that place that you're dead and raised with him in resurrection, you love your brother, your sister. There's no denomination to break that sector. You are Christians and you're one in Christ Jesus, whether you're Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, or whatever you may be. See what our denominations get us a bunch of Tommy Rocks. Separates our fellowship, breaks the barriers, puts the people under pressure. And everything trying to fight for organization. It's going to die and perish. It's going to have to die. It's already dead. It was dead to begin with. But Christ, you are in Christ, you're alive. If you're in Christ, you believe his word. If you're in Christ, he manifests himself to you. If you're in Christ, you're passion, death, and life. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Not the denomination is a mighty tower. Not the creed is a mighty tower. But the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Let off the steam. Just come to Christ. Don't come up. I'll take the creed of this church. I'll take the creed of that church. Take the power of God. Amen. Take the name of Jesus Christ. Pray in it. Baptize in it. Pray and stick in it. Cast out devils in it. In my name they shall cast out devils. Live in it. Shout in it. Walk in it. Die in it. Amen. Amen. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Give it. Praise to the Father. Amen. That's it. The name of the Lord is the mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Now, you can't come through some creed or something like that. You've got to die and come to it. You've got to walk into it and die to yourself and raise anew, and then every word of God becomes a real. Could you imagine a man having the baptism of the Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible and then say the days of miracles is past? Could you imagine a man, no matter how deep he is in theology or, or what more, deny the very word of the Bible that the Holy Ghost wrote and say the Holy Ghost is in him? Could you imagine a woman stretching herself with a pair of, of these shorts on walking up and down the streets when the Bible condemned it? 
Could you imagine people doing the, the people today living the way they do and then saying they got the Holy Ghost while the very fruits that you bear, people prove you haven't got it. You're blowing a whistle that you know nothing about. When you're dead, you're dead. When you're alive, you're alive. And old things pass away and every word of God is punctuated with an amen. No matter what your creeds or denominations says, the Bible says it. On this rock I'll build my church in the gates of hell, can't prevail against it. Amen. I guess you think I get angry. I don't. I get, get bubbled. <laughs> See? Love. Love is correction. Love is divine correction. Oh, promise. Why? Why do they run from place to place? Why do they join this and run to this over here, this organization that? They just build up steam. What's the matter? They've never come to the right refuge yet. There's peace, love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, faith, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> In the kingdom of God. These other things have passed away. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. We, um, we reach it and we believe it and we're safe in God's provision. And wh- when you do that, you know that if you pass from death and life, you look back and see where once you disbelieved God and now you believe Him. You see where once you fussed over a creed and now you're in the Bible. One time uh, somebody told you that there was no such a thing as speaking in tongues, there was no such a thing as this, and the Bible didn't teach this, and you read it and there it was in the Bible, and you say, but the pastor says, or the modern denomination says, that was for another day? Well, you're still dead in sin. Rise above that unbelief. Amen. Oh, you say, but I live holy. There's nobody in here then, a Pentecostal in America can live as holy as them African heathens. <laughs> no, sir. How about the Mohammedans? How about their holiness? Try to live with them one time. Try to compare your righteousness. One tribe there, if a young girl don't get married to a certain time, she's tested for her virgins and find out why she didn't get married. If she's found defiled, she has to tell the man that did it and they both kill together. There'd be a lot of killing in the nation if that would be, wouldn't it? Here. Try to compare with that. Oh, but today we can tell the people to live and they puff up and blow up and run over something else and said, I don't want to hear it. We always bawling out. That reminds me of Micah when he stood before Elijah or before uh, Ahab. He stood there because he's taken Elisha's word. He compared his vision with what the prophet had said before him with the word of God. And when we get a vision and don't compare with the word of God, then leave it alone. Amen. Stay with the word. Yes, sir. Now Isaiah described him when he saw him. He said, "Now when they saw him in this fellowship, saw him this uh, mighty tower." Abiding in it and leaving in it. He's a refuge. But when Isaiah saw him here in the 32nd chapter, he said, He's a rock in a weary land. That must be this land. A weary, dismal land. Oh, you say, my, this is a land of joy and happiness. Yeah, I know it is. Just like a preacher, I believe, last Sunday on the line of a true prophet. When Amos come up and looked over into that city, that old country preacher, bald-headed and whiskers hanging around, his eyes narrowed. He didn't look like one of these modern tourists coming into Hollywood. Look at the glamour and things. His eyes narrowed. He looked down upon there and said, The very God that you came to trust in will destroy you. If he come to America tonight, he'd say the same thing. The very God that you claim to serve, they'll be your destruction. And he did it. He only preached about 13 years, but he lived to see his word fulfilled. He's a man fearless with God's word. You say, how did Amos know that? Because he could diagnose that case just exactly like a doctor diagnoses the case. When a doctor takes a case and looks at it and sees the symptoms on it that's cancer and far advanced, he says, it's death. There's no hopes as far as he knows. There's no hopes for that patient because he's too advanced. 
Well, when a real true prophet of God looks down and sees the sin of a nation, seeing our women bob their hair and wear dresses that's honoring, seeing man having a form of godliness and creed bound and things like that, leading man astray, blind, leading of the blind, diagnosing the case for God's word, there can't nothing happen but destruction. Paul's left the cancer that's eaten in and rottenness to the core among all the denominations. Done. There's nothing to do but crowd against the thing that's wrong. Amen. Means so be it. And that's right. All right. A great rock in a weary land. A shelter in a time of storm. Oh, I'm so glad. When he saw him, here's a great rock uh, in a weary land. Oh, I remember here not long ago, I was reading a book on an eagle. A certain kind of an eagle. I think he's in, uh, over in the Orient. And uh, I preached here some time ago on as the eagle stirs its nest. And I was reading up on eagles. And I found out there's 40 different types of eagles. But this certain eagle, the Bible says, as the eagle renews his youth, renews his strength, we shall mount up like eagles and so forth. And this certain eagle, when he begins to get old, he knows he's going to die pretty soon. There's a crust comes over his head. He's bald, you know. And that's the reason God likened himself to an eagle. He likes his children to eagles. And because of the high soaring birds, they can go higher than any other bird there is. His eyes so keen, it wouldn't do no good to get up there unless he seen what was going on down here. See, far off. He liked his prophets, the eagles, that can sail up like this, look way off, and see things coming. Come back down and tell the people what's fixing to happen. The eagle. And these old eagle, when he begins to get old, he finds him, he goes way up high into the cleft of the rock. And he finds a certain rock. He gets up there, he gets so old, he can't hardly walk around. This crust is killing him over his head. And he takes his head and he starts beating against that rock. Beating it against the rock until he knocks the crust off his head. Oh, it hurts him. You see him up there flopping around. He'll jump back. Watch him through glasses. And he'll knock his head again. What's he trying to do? Knock that crust off. And he'll bleed and the blood will run all over him until he knocks that crust off. And if he can't knock it off, he dies. But if he gets it knocked off, he'll start rejoicing and screaming. You can hear him for miles. Just a screaming. Why? He knows that he's got all the crust off of him. He knows that his youth is going to be renewed because that he got the crust off. That's wonderful. I appreciate that for the eagle. But brother, I know a rock. Amen. I know a rock. That's a weary sinner can beat his, not his head on there, but beat himself in prayer to all the crust of the world is broke off of him. All the unbelief, the shackles are broke loose. That man can beat himself in prayer there till every sin shackle is broke away from him. I know where prostitutes can beat till they become ladies. I know where drunkards and gamblers can beat till they become saints of God, man of God. I know a rock. That rock is Christ Jesus, our refuge. And as soon as you get all the world beat off of you, you renew your youth. You renew what? You know you can start praising God because eternal life is sure because he promised it. Just stay there until all of the world is gone. But as long as some of the crust of the world is still sticking on, you better, you better keep beating. Because <laughs> eternal life ain't there yet. When you say, well, I believe part of the word of God is right, I still got crust there. <laughs> yes, sir. When the women still bob their hair and wear shorts, a lot of crust there. Someone bawled me out about that the other day. They said, Brother Brown, people respect you to be a prophet. I said, I'm no prophet. He said, but they say you're that. Why don't you teach the people how to get, the, how to get prophet gifts and how to get those things there? Quit telling them women, them men, about their creeds and about women, the way they're dressed. I said, if they can't learn their ABCs, how are they going to teach them algebra? Amen. 
You haven't got the common decency to clean up and act like and be like Christians. How in the world do you go to teach them, uh, give them a high school education when they're not out of kindergarten yet and don't desire to come out? I don't mean to be angry or, or nasty, but that's the truth. Amen. I feel religious. Stay up! When the Holy Ghost comes, he'll make a different creature out of you. When you've got all the world beat off of you and the shackles and all the unbelief beat off, you believe Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You believe in the power of God. You believe in the resurrection. You believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You believe in all these spiritual gifts and sin working. Why? You are dead with him and buried with him and risen with him. There you are. Then the steam goes off. Oh, brother, the preacher can't preach one word to condemn you. <laughs> no, sir, because you can say amen anything you said. See? Because you got all the old shackles beat off. That's all. You're not trusting a creed. You're trusting in Christ. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, when the old crust gets beat off, then you're all right. You're fixing to have a renewed youth then, or a renewed life. You've got eternal life. Zoe, God's own life dwelling in you. Then you're alive, not dead. Then your desires and affections are on things above, not on the fashions and passions of this world. Running around here to dances and going to picture shows. And a lot of you Pentecostal people stay home at night and watch televisions and things like that and miss your prayer meetings. is because that your seminaries out here turned off some sissified Elvis preachers instead of man of God who will stand and tell you the truth. You're exactly right. What they're trying to do, you know what kind of harvest we're reaping out? We're reaping a denominational harvest because we sow denominational seed. That's the only kind of seed can come up. It's denominational seed is because that's what we're sowing. Trying to get people in this, to get people in that. You ought to get people to Christ and forget us. Get them back to holy living by holy God, by the Holy Ghost, and see the power of God move like it did one time. Call ourselves Christians and deny the word. Form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And then say, well, what we need today, no wonder we got pressure built up. Is the Methodist right? A girl come to me not long ago. She said, Brother Branham, do you believe it's wrong for a Holy Ghost girl to wear scandal skirts? I said, what is a scandal skirt? And she said, well, it's so-and-so, and the skirts and the underneath show. I said, what in the world would a Holy Ghost girl want to show her underskirt off? Well, what's the matter with what's the matter with brothers today? What's the matter with the preaching today? They're afraid to do it because it's a meal ticket. Afraid you get kicked out. Well, if uh, they wouldn't have kicked me out, I got out anyhow. No, I wasn't going to bundle myself up amongst unbelievers. Jesus said, "Don't do that. Don't yoke yourself with unbelievers. Come out from among them. These separate says, God, I'll receive you." No wonder things can't take place. No wonder we're trying to build a Pentecostal revival. No wonder we fail to do the things we're doing. My brother, we're sowing the wrong seed. We're sowing what our organizations believe, what our creeds teach us. Billy Grimm could cross the country a thousand times, and old Roberts and, and Jack Shooters and all the rest of it will never do no good until we come back to God, back to the... And how in the world can a government build itself? You say it's the government. You know what's the matter with the government? It's because we elect ourselves. It's the people where the cause, the, the trouble's at. We elect the kind of government we got. Because that's what's right in our hearts. That's what we're trying to do. The people want something like that. They vote for it. Go to a church. I was at a charge not long ago where a little brother had been preaching for about six months. And the trustees and the deacon board called him up and said, you'll have to stop that. 
We won't put up with such as that. I said, stop what? I said that that message that you're preaching. I said message not preaching the Bible. He said, We don't believe no said, Well, it's the Bible. You know what they did? They said we were throwing out. He said, You don't have to, I'm already out. <laughs> That's right. Sure. It's a matter of people. It's a meal ticket. I've got to, you say, well, you can't, you, they're afraid that the people, uh, if you don't have a card, could you imagine Amos having a card that day when he come down there to preach to the people? Then here's my fellowship card. I got cooperation with all the Pharisees and Sadducees. They hated him. Right. They would today. If he stood today, he'd stand right on this word, the same thing, and condemn from the, from the Catholic come to the Pentecostal. He'd do the same thing. He sure would. He wouldn't, have no, he wouldn't have no cooperation. He wouldn't have to pack a fellowship card, but he had dust stay at the law. That's what the people didn't want. You think he'd walk through the streets today and see the people? You think his righteous soul could stand still? Certainly not. No. That's what's the matter with our pressures build up. That's what's the matter with our nation today. That's what's the matter with our world today. Some time ago, I was watching when I was in Africa, while the crowd where a, a little sheep had wandered out from the crowd, and the little fellow got all nervous all at once. I thought, what's the matter with him? What's the matter with him? He hadn't noticed there's a lion coming up. He couldn't see the lion, neither could he smell the lion. But there's something telling him a danger. He got nervous. He's blatant. He's going on. He didn't know which way to go. That's what's the matter. What's building up pressure? You're afraid of atomic bombs. The whole world, they're scared something's going to happen. They know something's going to happen. Well, sure it's going to happen. But what difference does it make? Hey, man, it's a quick trip to glory. Well, we're already dead. We're dead. We're risen with him in heavenly places. It's our desire to go meet him. A minister called me in not long ago and said, Brother Bram, you scare the people telling about Jesus coming maybe at any time like that. Said, you get the people so nervous? <laughs> I said, so nervous? Well, I said, sure. Nobody wants to think about the end of the world. I said, that's the greatest thing I can think of. But they're not ready. He said that all those that love his appearing, he will appear the second time. Those who love his appearing. But if you're so earthbound and still living down here, that that don't hold a million times more than this stuff for you, then you're still down here. Amen. And if you're up here, you pass from that to up here. Amen. Just let off the pressure, friends. It's all right. Oh, yes. That's right. Just let off the pressure. If you just come to Christ, this great rock, beat off all the, the unbelief, and it'll, you start to rejoice in them because the pressure is going to be gone pretty soon. That's right. Like the old slaves, back when the uh, Mississippi Proclamation when it was signed that morning, I was reading here some years ago about where it, when they signed the, the proclamation. Them slaves were so glad on a certain day they was going to be free. And the time they was going to be free is when the, the sun come up. You know what they did? They, women and children and the little ones and the cripples, is all down this way, they were strung all up and down the hillside. Because as soon as the sun began to come up, they were free on that morning at sunup. I just forget the date of it now. Wish I could remember it, but I don't. Just at this time, I thought I did, but I didn't write it down, so I don't remember the date. But anyhow, that morning, as soon as they could, they were going to uh, be free as soon as the sun come up. Well, the most strongest one of them, like the strongest Christians today, they climbed from up to the top of the hill, and they watched as day began to break. And when the first thing, you know, the first little peep of the sun, the one on top of the hill screamed out, The sun's up! We're free! And he hollered down the next one. The next one hollered to the next one. The next one to the next one. Till it got all the way at the bottom. They could let off the pressure. <laughs> We're free. Wow, the sun's up. Amen. Amen. That was S-U-N. But today, let me scream. The sun's up. The S-O-N. The evening lights are shining. The Holy Ghost is here. 
the Son of God reigns in the hearts of the people. Let off the pressure. He's here. The sun is up. I'm so glad of that. Seeing the same things take place that did when he was here. Here it is working again in his people in this last day. So he can just let off the pressure. He's up, up from the grave. He's up from the dead. He's been raised for 2,000 years. And we're living with him, resurrected him, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Already raised from the dead. What's use having a pressure on you? Live? Well, you've got to live. You can't die. He that hears my words and believeth on him and send me has eternal life. That's right. I am the resurrection and life, said Jesus. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. See, we're already raised with him. We got the earnest of it. The Holy Spirit declares it so. We passed from death and life. How do you know? All the world's beat off. The old eagle, he has screamed all as the world wants to because every shackle's off of him. All the old crust is gone. And when the worldly crust, worldly habits, all the fuss and pippers to it, all the carrying on, running from denomination to denomination, is all settled, and you're in Christ Jesus, you know eternal life dwells. Or you look back and see where you come from. Back down there in that muck and fuss down there. Now I'm up here safe forevermore in Christ Jesus, the new creature. A few years ago, I was way up in the mountains preaching. Now, I was preaching one night as hard as I could on holiness unto the Lord. Now, it would be up on every heart and up on the horses, and that great shadow would be in the daytime, a, a pillar of fire by night hanging over Mount Zion and so forth. And when I got through preaching, I made an altar call. There's an old logger back there, and God just kind of said, hold on just a little bit longer. And I said, anybody wants to come and receive the Lord, come now. And he wouldn't come. I asked them to play the hymn again. They played the hymn. Directly here, he come running up like that. He's, he come down there to throw me out of the meeting. His overalls was all tore off like that. He had a, a big old nail sticking to the side of him, been cutting fodder. And he come up there, he couldn't hardly get the altar. He fell and crawled over hand over head, hollering, God have mercy to me. Like that. Come up the altar and got saved. The next day, nice night, he come up there, sitting in there with these little children. His little boy come up, little bitty fellow about five years old, said, Brother Branham, said, we got a good daddy now. Said every night he'd come in and get drunk and whip us and everything, but said tonight we all ask the blessing at the table. It passed from death into life. Just before I got ready to preach, he said, Brother Branham, would you spare me a moment till I could say something? He said, I said, Yes, sir, come on up here, brother. He come up there. He said, I, I was once dead, but I'm alive now. He said, Everything's changed for me. He said, I had a dream last night, Brother Branham. I said, What was it? Would you mind telling us? He said, You know, Brother Branham, I dreamed that I was a rabbit. And he said, uh, uh, the hounds had jumped me up and said, I was running, but them long-legged hounds was coming right behind me, just about to catch me. Said they were howling and said, they got so close to me that I could feel their breath on my heels. And said, every, I could see them nipping at me every time they make a jump. And said, I looked and there's a great big rock and there was a cleft in that rock. And I knowed if I could ever get in that little cleft, it's just big enough for me to get into. Them hounds couldn't get in there. I know they couldn't scratch through the rock. I know I was safe if I could ever get in that rock. And said, I just made it in time. He said, when I got inside, said, I just sat down and began to relax. That's it. Let off the steam. <laughs> That's it. Just come to the rock. The hounds of hell are galloping right behind you. Sin marking your lives as you go. You claim, and if you claim to be a Christian and still love the world, if you claim to be a Christian, don't believe the word. That's the hounds of hell howling right behind you. He's got you hid under some creed or something under a broad patch. He can catch you there. There's only one safe place. That's the rock, brother. There's a cleft in that rock tonight. It's open for sinners. It's open for unbelief. Run into it. Then let off the pressure. Sit down there. You're safe forevermore. Just let off the pressure, and you'll be all right. 
Run to Christ, because he is our refuge. He is our refuge and our strength, our present help in a time of trouble. Let's bow our heads just a moment. i got about 30 things here I want to speak on yet. But I don't want to wear you. getting late. I'm going to ask you something, though. Many of you, practically everybody in here has attended my meetings before. And you know, you can't put your hand on one thing that what the Holy Spirit hasn't said but what was right. And you know that. But let me tell you, friend, don't you take refuge in your organization. Don't you take refuge in some little experience. The world's just full tonight of somebody going around with sensations, fire, smoke, blood, pillars, and everything else. Don't you believe that? There's only one sensation. That's Christ. When you're in there, brother, sister, your life has changed. You've become a new creation. You've passed from death to life. I, I can't judge you. I never wasn't sent to judge. I was only sent for this word. Just take inventory and look at yourself tonight. Each one here, I don't know who you are. But just think of yourself. Just look at yourself. Think the way you're doing what you're doing. You women, look at yourself. You man, look at yourself. Preacher, look at yourself. What about your organization? Does it mean so much to you tonight if God's truth come forth, you couldn't take it? You stay with your organization, then you're still a sinner. You're an unbeliever. If you put anything between you and God's Word, now remember, that's Jesus. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Word. Is there anything between you and God? Now, with your heads bowed, I'm going to ask you. I've felt you lengthy. But how do I know that the next blow-up won't get me? Somewhere down the line, I've got to go. God hasn't backed up every word that I've said. Not because it's me, it's because it's His Word. I've had to win your organizations from place to place, not against you. Against that system that separates you from others. That system that lets you sit in there and live like the world and still claim to be a Christian when you know you're not. If you can't compare with the Word, then there's something wrong. That's for minister and all. You know that's right. Now think of it. Some explosion, something somewhere is going to get you one of these days. You've got to go and you've got to face God. You, and while there is a chance to outrun the hounds, let's go to the rock tonight. Will you go with me? I'll lead the way. While you got your head bowed, every eye closed. Who would like to be remembered in prayer? Raise up your hand. Say, Brother Branham, pray for me. God bless you. You, you, yes. Just look over this room. Oh, lead me to the rock, Lord. Lead me to that rock. It's higher than I. The shelter in a time of storm. Lead me, O oh Lord. Lead me. I don't. I don't want to stay in this world. I don't want to be lectured and be consumed with it. They that live by the sword shall perish by the sword. They that live in the world shall die with the world. They that live for this world and in this world will perish in the atomic blast. It's just atomic fodder. Look at these people today on the street. Look at them in the yards. Look wherever they go. You'll wonder what's the matter. They're pleasure-seeking, cigarette-smoking, drinking, diving, women immorally dressed, knowing that they're committing adultery. 
You say, I'm just as clean as anybody, but lady, the way you dress yourself and get out here on the street, man look upon you. Jesus said, whosoever looketh upon a woman of lust after hath committed adultery with her. When that sinner answers for adultery, you'll be the one who presented yourself. Think of it now. You men who compromise the word of the living God for a marvel of a denomination. Shame on you. Let's repent. Let's ask God forgiveness. Let's not let this a convention of killing this late be an error. Let's get God with us. Let's go away from here filled with the Spirit, yeah. a burning fire in our hearts. Let's run to that rock, the only thing that can help us. Someday your organization, your, your friends is persuading you out in the wrong way. Even your pastor will perish with the world if he's letting you live like that and tell you nothing about it. Look at that priest who claimed to be holy and sanctioned. Jesus said, you're your father, the devil, and his works you do. And yet they were clean, upright men seemed to be, but they denied the living word. They had a form of godliness. The prophet told them, so the very God that you serve, he'll, he'll, he'll consume you. The very one that you, and he did do it. And let me say this tonight, the very God that America claims they believe in will be the very God that will sink her beneath the sea. She'll burn like an eternal fire. The whole world, that Christian world, so-called, living in the way they do, hugging on to creeds and things like that and denying God. No wonder, the, no wonder the revival died right out. It got to a certain spot and then they went to bring it in this and bring it in that and put millions of dollars in new educational buildings and things like that when it never was ordained of God to do so. He had preached the gospel. Think of it. What if you die tonight? What if you're killed on the road home? And the next explosion gets me. I want the world to know this. I believe the word of God, every word of it. I've accepted in my heart as Christ Jesus. I believe that the Spirit that is in me says punctuates every word with an amen. I've lived to see the day that every promise he made, I've seen it fulfilled. I know that he's coming. I know he's coming for a church, and it'll sure be in the minority. There'll be two in the field. I'll take one and leave one. Two in a bed, I'll take one and leave one. A universal resurrection or rapture. Let's be ready for it, friends. This is the hour. What a beautiful time out here on this great lake here where we're standing. As we did, Jesus did in Galilee with the Holy Spirit right here in our building tonight. Moving up on people when, in this little crowd of 150 or 200 people. And nearly two-thirds of them put up their hands. Let's repent. Our Heavenly Father... We can see, Lord, that the church has lost its first love. We can see that the church in full all over the nation has dropped. Not only the nation, but the world. We realize, as you spoke the other morning and said, the seeding time is over here. That the only place to sow seeds is in the foreign fields. This is a gleaning over the stubble. And, oh, God, truly, them words was right. And now, tonight, while we see these precious ones that's made a start, a fair showing in the flesh, trying to move up. They realize that, they, that their lives don't cope up with that word. There's something wrong somewhere. They got pressure, tempers, and indifferences, and oh God, or ugly things that make them misbehave and not act like Christians. They find themselves not satisfied. They're wandering about from one organization to another, from one place to another. Though they might have shouted, though they might have danced half a night, though they may have spoken tongues like pouring peas on a dry cowhide, they might have done all these things, Lord, and yet 
Oh, God, Paul said, though I speak with tongue of men and angels, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have faith to move mountains, though I give my goods to feed the poor, and all these things, yet he becomes nothing. Oh, God, may man not rely upon sensations and so forth. May they come to Christ, who is the Word. Rise above every unbelief and follow the Holy Spirit to the promised land. Grant it, Lord. You crossed over Jordan of death. You come back. You prove to us that there was a good land over there where man lives forever. You give us the resurrection fruits. You let us taste of the heavenly gifts. And it's written over in Hebrews, the sixth chapter. For they which were once enlightened, Pentecostals, and have been made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the heavenly gifts, the heavenly food of God, and now see that they are falling away, that there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a fearful looking for the judgment, the fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. Oh, God, may borderline believers run into Canaan tonight as fast as they can. Grant it, Lord. May every one of these little rabbits tonight, Lord, that's a jumping for what life they got in them, may they find that rock, Lord. Oh, God, may this convention never stop until prayer meetings are out here in the bushes and everywhere else until these people find that rock where women can be like saints of God, where they can dress like saints and act like saints and and talk like saints and men can move into their pulpits and, and, and deacons into their offices and trustees and things with the, the integrity and the power of the resurrection of Christ to pray a revival to up, down upon the people. Grant it, Lord. May the church be saved, God. You said, all that the Father has given me will come. No man can come unless my Father has called him. And all that my Father has given me will come. Oh, God, is it too late? Will the hounds catch us before we get to the rock? Oh, God, grant not. May every man and woman pinch themselves, wake up to the fact that we're at the end time. It can't be much longer until the coming of our Lord. Talking of a convention next year, how do we know that it'll be yet tonight or in the morning? He'll come. How do we know that one of us or many of us in here may be called before morning? Then we'll have to stand in the judgment. What good does all these things in the world do us? We'll perish with them. God will never rise in the resurrection, only to be condemned. God grant that we'll let loose of every shackle tonight, that we'll come to the rock and there live in Christ Jesus forevermore. Grant it, Lord. Come into the rock and let off the pressure. Grant it, Father. I commit them to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, may every one of them make safely to the rock where their assurance is there and they can see their lives that the crust is all beat off. Many, Lord. Many, many, Lord, are deceived when they think they're at the rock and look right down at their lives and see that they're not. See the shackles of the world, the desire, the things of the world still hanging on them. They know they've never beat the crust off in prayer yet. God grant that these hotel rooms tonight will be a one lively prayer meeting all night long of the beating and praying, oh God, until Christians are born and filled with the Holy Ghost. New lives are begun. In Jesus' name we ask it for God's glory. Amen. You love him? I love you. I worship him in the spirit. Strong heart.
that you already are raised with him. That's the earnest of our salvation. We're sitting together in heavenly places. Look back to the places you come. Look what's going on. Examine yourself. Take inventory. See, have I bypassed his word? I, 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 don't, I, I know the Bible says that, but I don't believe it that way. Be careful. You're not dead yet. The Holy Spirit was in there. He said, Amen. That's my word. Well, I believe the days of miracles is past. You do, and the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe it's the signs of Mark 16, but for another generation. You do, when he said, These signs shall follow them that believe how far to the end of the world. Lo, I'm with you always. And the works that I do shall you do also. How long? To the end of the world. All the promises of the prophets that in this evening time, the prophet said there would be a day that wouldn't be called day or night. It would be dismal. Where does the sun rise? In the east. Where does it set? In the west. How civilization travels? From the east to the west. Now there's been a day since the sun, S-O-N, rose with healing in his wings in the east upon the eastern people. And now there's been a day of organization, denomination, just enough light to see to get around. Put your name on a book, accept Christ the Savior. But he promised in the evening time it shall be light. Now the evening light has come out, showing the same sun, S-U-N, that rises in the east is the same S-U-N that sets in the west. Religion, civilization, salvation has traveled from the east to the west like the sun. And now the S-O-N, the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost, is falling in the west. We can't go no farther. We're on the west coast. If we go farther, we're in China, back east again where it started. See? But it shall be light in the evening time. It's the hour, friends. It's the hour. Please receive it. Listen. Let me give you. Is it all right to see it alone? Listen. Are you scared of communism? Why are you afraid of communism, Father? You people, wake up! Communism is in God's hands. What's the tool he's using? Don't you never... There's not one scripture in the Bible that said communism will rule the world, but the Bible says Romanism will rule the world. Which was the iron and clay in the bottom of the feet? Was it communism? No, sir. It was Romanism and Protestantism. Exactly right. That steel, iron, Rome run right down to the end. It's Romanism, and look where it's sitting today. Since our president, Mr. Kennedy, got elected, in the last six months since he's been elected, in the state of Kentucky, about uh, 310,000 people has turned from Protestant to Catholic in the state of Kentucky. It was in the paper the other day. Look what's happening now. What is it? The World Council of Churches. They talk about that. And they say all these, like our brother Presbyterian and so forth, coming in. That's wonderful. I believe in that too. But did you ever wake up to think that Jesus said that that foolish person, when she began to call for oil, it was right then the bridegroom come? Amen. When they woke up and began to realize that they had no oil, they went to buy oil. And it was at that minute when they went to buy oil that the bridegroom come and the bride went in? Can't you see that? We think about all these Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Lutherans. We appreciate that. We see them coming in. But it's a sign to us. This is the time when they're coming to buy that oil. The sleeping virgin's been sleeping all along. What's the matter with these pastors today? Don't know the hour you're living? Jesus said, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my day. said, you can discern the face of the skies, but the signs of the times you don't discern. Wake up, people. Don't you know that the Bible says that to this Pentecostal church, the way they're going out in the time that you think not, do you know the Pentecostal church is the lady of the church age? The last one of them? It would be lukewarm. God is spirit from his mouth. Every church age and every star, every minister through the church age, every angel through the church, 
had done, made its manifestation. Did you know that this church age was the only church age that Jesus has put out of his church and found knocking at the door trying to get back in the lady that's in church age? Don't you see the hour we're living? Wish I could come here for about a, a two or three weeks to watch this own Bible teaching of prophecy and things. See where we're living, friends. What's the matter with people? Can't you see we're at the end time? It's all over. Amen. The next thing will be a sweep of that little group together. In a month or so, she'll be gone as soon as she's gathered together. Well, we're at the end. There's no hope left. Nowhere. Run to Christ, people. Through your gifts, I've fed my children. Through your goodness, I've had a ministry. Through the people, the Pentecostals, that I left the Baptist church to come to, you've been the one. When they told me I was a fanatic, there was no such a thing as prophecy. There was no such a thing as these angels appearing and things like that. I take you to record, and I have I ever told you anything out of the tens of thousands of what come to pass? You remember when they come before Samuel and they said, we want, a, we want Saul to be a, a king? And God told Samuel, said, they haven't rejected you as prophets, they've rejected me. Said, go down and stand before him and said, have I ever told you anything in the name of the Lord what come to pass? Did I ever beg you for your living? They said, no. These things are right, but we still want the king. There you are. It's the same place back again. It's the church. It's the church. It isn't the nation. It's the people. If they would look at our television, look at our newspapers, look at our signboards, look at our women, look at our man, look at our churches. Watch well, rotten to the core. Exactly right. And then we call that creep. Don't you trust in those things, people? I love you. I'm not trying to be. To try to pop off or say something is wrong, I'm telling you in the name of the Lord. If you believe these other things and see them come to pass, you believe this. It's later than you think. God bless you. I better turn it back over to your to the chairman here, Brother Sonmore, or some of them here. Do you love him? Yeah. Let's sing that one more time. And I want all you Methodists to shake hands with the Baptists and you Pentecostals the same way. And just say, I love him too, brother. And by God's help, I'm going to serve him with all my heart. You believe that? Will you do it? Say amen. amen. I love him. I love him. raise your hand. All right. See, he's still dealing with you. See, there is a refuge for you. If he's still dealing, let's press right on. I got both of mine up. I want to make it too. Oh, draw me near, near, oh, near, blessed Lord. Close to thy bleeding side. That's where I want to stay, don't you? Now, while we sing this, I love him. Let's raise our hands to him and sing with all of our heart.
got the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the signs of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, meekness, faith, all these signs follow you. No matter what else is taking place, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And if that isn't in your life, gentle, meekness, patience, love, forgive every person. If those signs is not in your life, I don't know one, look, keep your head down. Raise up your hand, say, pray for me, Brother Brown. I say about 90% of the congregation. Oh, Jesus, please, God. God, I'd take a couple of people like that. But, oh, what will I do stand there at the day of judgment? And then I see them hands screaming out and them women with those faces gleaming their eyes bald that way out and saying, Why didn't you tell me? And then man said, Oh, you told me that. God, help me. Please keep me, Lord. Let me be truthful. Let me be honest. Let me be upright, Lord. Help me to, to know your word that I could say it and help these people, dear Father. Just think, in a Pentecostal conference here, and 90% with their hands up after a scorching, hard message coming right straight out of the Word, the Holy Spirit sweeping across the God, I'm so happy that they still can realize it, and a man or a woman that realizes it and can know it, God has got to be your Spirit talking to them. I pray and I claim the soul of every one of them. As your servant, Lord, like Moses, I stand between them, Lord. In the oncoming judgment, I please, Lord, they raise their hands. If I've pleased you, Father, I know I haven't. But if I've done anything that's it's been any benefit to you, hear me now tonight, Lord. These are people with sacrifice. They've done everything. They love me, Lord, and they love the Word. They love, and they want to be right. Lord, open up that refuge tonight. God, may they run into it. If it's right now, tonight in the prayer room, in their bedroom, wake them up and dreams and things, Lord. Pour out your Spirit upon them. May they find that rock, Lord. Oh, God, may their souls be a flaming fire. Grant it, Lord. We love you and we believe you. And you said this in your word. Ask what you will and it will be done to you. If ye abide in me and my word in you, ask what you will. God, I've tried to keep every precept of the word. Though man has turned me out of organizations and everything else. But I still believe it. I stood for it, Lord. Now hear my prayer. I pray for each one of them. I ask for each one of them. God, may every one of them be in the rapture. May they be filled with the Spirit, with all the signs of a living God living among them, Lord. Grant it. In Jesus' name I ask for them. Amen. Brother Carlson said, maybe I ought to ask for, if there's sick people who want to be prayed for, or if you're here tonight sick and wants to be prayed for, raise up your hands if you're here. Oh my, there's a number of them. Is there no night Oh, go ahead, no night. Not the banquet, I remember. Well, I tell you, put your hands over on each other while you're there. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. Look here. I want you to look at me. I hold my Bible. What good would it do for me to stand here as an imposter? I got a wife and three children at home. I got children that cry when I leave. I got a church at home. Begs me to stay. Don't go. Willing to build tabernacles or anything else. But a lot of my they couldn't come there. I got to go to them. See? What good would it stand if you here to stay? 
good would it do me to stay here and tell you something that was wrong? I'm 53 years old. I've been a minister for 32 years. I have never one time sincerely prayed for anything but what he gave it to me or showed me why he couldn't give it to me. That's exactly right. I've always found if I asked for it and he'd show me it, I'm glad he didn't give it to me. I say that as a, as a brother that'll have to meet you in the day of judgment with a very message I preach tonight. You sincerely lay your hands on one another and pray for one another. Don't you doubt one bit, but believe that what you've asked for, you receive it and God will give it to you. I don't care how sick you are, what's wrong with you, God will bring it. Do you believe that? Lay your hands on one another. I'm going to quote you the word. And these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Who? You, you believers, don't pray for yourself now. Pray for the one you got your hands on because they're praying for you. Our Heavenly Father, I know the words went forth. It found its place. And now, I've told them that there is a safety zone. And in this safety zone, there's healing power. And Lord, they got their hands on one another. They are believers. And we believe you. Now Satan has bound some of these people with sickness. They're praying for one another with their hands on one another. Satan, you lose the battle. I've tried to stand honestly on God's Word. And he said, if you abide me and my word to you, ask what you will, and it will be done. Therefore, Satan, I come in the name of Jesus Christ upon the basis of his shed blood, his resurrection, and the appearance of him here tonight in the power of eternal life. Turn these people loose. In the name of Jesus Christ, I defy thee to hold them any longer. Come out of them, Satan, that they might go and be free. In the name of Jesus Christ. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. Are you the children of Abraham? Do you have to be a child of Abraham? Abraham, no matter how long it took, he staggered not as a promise of God through unbelief, but was strong giving praise to God. No matter how much the devil tell you, no, 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 you say, yes, yes, yes. You believe God's word tonight, and God will bring it to pass everything that you've asked for, you shall receive it. If you believe with all your heart. I'm going to ask you, upon the basis of the shed blood, Upon the basis of knowing that you're a Christian and the promise is true, if Jesus promised life after death, went forward into death and come back with life to prove it and give you life of the Spirit in you and His presence here now, how can it fail? It can't fail. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. If we claim to be the seed of Abraham, the royal seed. Abraham's royalty. And we stagger at his word. And then Abraham's seed. Abraham, a man 75 years old, his wife 65. And there's Baron, Cyril. God told him to have a baby. They waited 25 years till she was 90 and he was 100. And he was still giving praise to God that he'd have the baby. We can't believe it a few minutes. I believe that every one of you seen it. Do you believe the same? Raise your hands. I accept it upon the basis of the shed blood. God bless you. Then you are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.